Anxiously with Amy and Lisa. Now here are your hosts, Amy and Lisa. Hi, I'm Amy. And I'm Lisa. And this is Anxiously, the podcast where we talk about all the things that make us feel anxious. So Amy, how are you doing today? I am freaking out about something. So I've gone into the habit in this pandemic year of wiping down my phone whenever I'm outside somewhere with my phone. I know that all the experts now say we don't have to wipe stuff down anymore, that COVID doesn't spread that way, but whatever, I still anxiously do that. But today I forgot and I didn't wipe down my phone and I had like a two hour long phone conversation with the phone pressed to my face. So now I'm terrified that I gave myself COVID. Oh no. Well, I'm sure you don't have COVID from that. I totally get it though. And I, as you know, was in the habit of putting Purell on my phone, which is such a bad idea. (laughs) And now I can't hear through my phone. Wait, you broke your phone by putting Purell on it? I I did. So let that be a lesson to both of us, I guess. (laughs) Pretty much a day doesn't go by when I don't think I have COVID. And my husband is like, why are you so sure that the phone has COVID? I'm like, it just just does. Don't question it. It's germ science, obviously. Exactly. (laughs) I am a huge germaphobe. It's always been an issue. And I remember long before COVID, when my daughter was young, a toddler, we were at the Bronx Zoo. And she was eating some pretzels for a snack. And one of the pretzels fell on a bench. We didn't notice. And then we got up a while later. So the five-second rule didn't even apply. Oh, no. And then she spotted the pretzel and snagged it and <gasps> popped it into her mouth before I could stop her. And no. I was so grossed out and upset. <laughs> this has gone down in history as the butt pretzel incident. Um <laughs> But I realized I have a major issue with things touching things. Contamination. Yes. Exactly. It's an ongoing issue for me. That story skews me out so much. (laughs) I'm sure Lily was fine, right? Like, I'm sure. Totally. But how scary. No, I mean, we we have been here, like, before COVID is the thing. Like, we... Like, we're waiting for the rest of the world to get where we are. But, I mean, it's sort of horrible, right? Like, we've been proven right. And we don't want to be. (laughs) No. The world is scary, and the world is full of things that will make you sick. But it's kind of interesting if you think about a viral pandemic. I mean, when you talk about something going really big, like on the internet, you say, it went viral. Are germs just a metaphor for everything in life? It is true when you think about how much like our language is influenced by germs, you know, like war language is used, battling against COVID and the body fighting a virus. The virus invades our bodies. Yes, exactly. And this idea that our germs of metaphor, I mean, certainly now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, they're a metaphor for all the things that we cannot control in life. Right. As much as we scrub down surfaces and wash our hands, it's there's still going to be things out of our control. It's interesting that COVID has forced us to distance ourselves physically or to socially distance because I know it's really like an unraveling on a really grand, scary scale, if if you really, like, stop to think about it. You know, germs are inherently a social thing. Like, people (laughs) are sharing germs when they're together, which we don't want to necessarily think about, but I guess that's sort of just an inevitable fact of life, right? I don't know. When you talk about an unraveling of society, it's kind of 
easy to see how, like, back in the Middle Ages, when plague was circulating and decimating the population, it, it's kind of, it makes sense that all of those old anti-Semitic canards surfaced about how Jews spread plague and other germs. It's an easy charge to level against people who might be seen as other or have kept themselves apart in one way or another. Judaism is such a communal religion that it's not sort of supposed to be observed separately. And so I think that's why we're seeing, at least with COVID, like in the news, there's been all this talk about, you know, the ultra-religious Jews having these Mm -hmm. giant weddings and funerals. And it's been sort of like upsetting to see that. And also just like I do understand, though, a lot of what's behind it. And of course, the worry that like, are people going to blame Jews? I mean, obviously, in the case of COVID, you know, horribly, we've seen these anti-Asian hate crimes happening And if you think about it, it's people's fear of what they perceive as, quote unquote, the other, which is terrible. It really does dredge up the most base and sort of primitive instincts or can, I guess. So it's a really complicated subject. We are both very anxious about germs and and being sick. And I think it's an amazing thing that we have such a fantastic guest to help talk us through it. A.J. Jacobs is editor-at-large at Esquire and the author of so many amazing books, including The Year of Living Biblically, in which he spent a year trying to follow all the rules in the Bible, and Thanks a Thousand, in which he tried to find and personally thank everyone involved in making his morning cup of coffee. And now, here's our conversation with A.J. Jacobs. Hi, welcome, A.J. Thank you. I am delighted to be here. I am a fan of the show, and I'm anxious, so... <laughs> welcome. It all works. I'm going to read a quote from your book, Drop Dead Healthy. It begins, I've long been a fan of germ porn. Perhaps you're familiar with the genre. I'm talking about those news segments that warn you that there are more germs on your remote control than on your toilet seat, your sponge is a hot zone, and your cell phone should be quarantined. I feel very seen by that passage. (laughs) (laughs) And I always have since birth. Oh, yeah, those are so... Horrible and riveting, and I can't get enough of them. And they're always the same. They never show the black line like, oh, look, it's totally clean. There's no germs. <laughs> it's always bad. It's, the news is always bad. And one of my favorites is um, the Purell website has a list of literally like hundreds of places where germs are lurking. Oh, no. So if you want, that'll keep you up for days. Oh, great. I need something new to keep me up at night. <laughs> So why are we so obsessed with germs, these, you know, invisible things that are all around us and are dangerous, but probably most of them won't actually harm us? I don't believe that, but I am asking that with my (laughs) rational hat on. (laughs) Good for you for trying. I have very complicated feelings about germs and I'm working on it. I'm trying to be more rational, more of a rational germaphobe than an irrational germaphobe. But the invisible is scary. I'm sure you've heard when Steven Spielberg was filming Jaws, his most brilliant decision was not to show the shark for the first half of the movie. There's just something scary about the invisible. And so these like invisible evil little beings that are lurking everywhere 
That's just a recipe for anxiety. One of the professors that you had interviewed for the book had a very extreme regimen on how to live a germ-free life. And it kind of read actually like a bit of comedic writing. But now in COVID times, it actually seems much more sober and sobering. And so I'm wondering what your plan is in these days for staying germ-free. How did COVID change it? Do you feel validated? Yeah. Well, it's funny. You know, I went to cognitive behavioral therapy to like get over my irrational germophobia and I was making progress. And, you know, I was no longer washing my hands 14 times an hour or whatever. And then COVID comes along and it's like, aha, I was right all along. But I wasn't, but I was because there's sort of a, a happy medium, I think. There's a way to balance your obsession and still be very clean and hygienic. I will say I've gone through phases in COVID because if you remember those first few months when they thought it was mostly transmitted by hand, did you guys watch the video by that professor where you put a tape down the middle of your table and put the, the grocery? Yes. Oh my. Yes. <laughs> and I sent it to my parents and I was like, you have to do this. Now this side of the table is going to be my clean side and we're going to consider the other side of the table as a dirty side where we're going to put our groceries from outside the house. Did you do it? Oh yeah, I did it for months. I can't believe how much time of my life has wasted with that. <laughs> because it, it then came out, you know, this is probably not necessary. Like this is not the way it's transmitted. But I spent so many hours like washing individual blueberries with soap. <laughs> I would like wash and like scrub them with soap. <laughs> and it's just like what a waste <laughs> of my life. So I don't do that anymore. I feel it's evidence-based germophobia is, is the way to go. So I do wash my hands and I do use Purell, but I'm, it seems that COVID is mostly airborne. So that's what I'm super paranoid about. You know, when I do the double mask and I was in an elevator and, you know, it stopped on a floor and this woman was just walked in and I was like, oh, okay. And I walked out. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm taking the stairs. I'm, what are you, crazy? So anyway... I feel it's important to adjust with the evidence. But yeah, I have gone through various phases with COVID. What about you? I watched that video of the guy cleaning all of his groceries on repeat, but I'm so <laughs> lazy that I couldn't. I was really inconsistent. <laughs> I was washing some stuff. I was very neurotic about food deliveries. But at the same time, sometimes grocers would come into the house and I'd just be like, I can't be bothered. It was a very inconsistent <laughs> approach. And I think that actually made me more anxious because I kept thinking like, I'm being irresponsible, I'm being careless, but I also like can't put all the time and effort into doing this. Right. Well, who could? Who could? Did you feel, so I felt at the very start of the pandemic, like a year ago, I remember the mad rush on Purell and Clorox wipes. And I felt, I remember actually going to the pharmacy and thinking like, welcome everyone else to my world. Like I... <laughs> I'm always buying Purell. I'm always. So it felt like you were saying, AJ, it's like we've been here all along, you know, and everyone's kind of catching up to us. I didn't feel the need to go stock up because I had a nice stockpile already. <laughs> exactly. And I wasn't hoarding it or anything. It's just like, this is what I have in my closet. I'm always ready for it. <laughs> and I do carry around the Purell. I carry around actually a big, like the eight ounce size in my pocket oh. whenever I go out. Hold on. I have something to show you as well. 
For our listeners, AJ and I are both holding up near identical Purell like pumps. <laughs> the big so, pumps. <laughs> yes, large ones. And I, I need a refill soon. It's like we're at once validated, but it's also like our worst fear. Like you don't want to be validated. Right. No. <laughs> you know, I still do the actions a lot. Like I put Purell on all the time and I wear the double masks. But I try not to be as emotionally roiled by it. I try to have a more Buddhist view. Like, you know, I'm doing the best I can. If the germs get me, they get me. But I'm not going to. Before, I like, I hated them as if like they were an ex-girlfriend who had cheated on me and dumped me. I like had this anger towards them. (laughs) And now it's like, you know what? I'm going to remove the anger. I'm going to do whatever I can. And I think that's a healthier way to be a germaphobe. Ultimately, you wrote that you have reached a more rational approach to your own germaphobia. I hope so. I'm trying. It's <laughs> still a struggle. Maybe germaphobia is the wrong word. I'm, I'm very germ. Uh, germaverse? I don't know. Germaverse. <laughs> yes, I have. I have germaversia, and uh, and that's better than germaphobia. I'm going to aim for that. But you also wrote that your germaphobia involves a strong sense of disgust, and I totally related to that because I've always had a germ issue, aversion, if you will, but when I got pregnant for the first time, it really kicked into high gear, mm. and through when my second child was like a toddler, I felt horribly disgusted by everything I came into contact with, like every surface I came into contact with outside my own apartment. I'm wondering, because you wrote about that, about how disgust was a big part of your germ aversion. How did you get over that? Because that seems to be part of taking the fear out of it too. Right. I came to the conclusion that disgust is overall a bad emotion. You know, it keeps us from eating poop, I guess. That's that's good, I guess. But I just think it's such a, an ancient emotion that can be so easily misused. It's an emotion that can be hijacked so easily to be disgusted by wrong. Just because you have this, it's not a rational reaction. It's just this gut, like, oh, there's something wrong with that. I can't explain it. I decided I'm just going to try to get over disgust. I'm just going to try Instead of thinking about how disgusting the germs are, maybe just say, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that our bodies are made of, I think it's something like 10 trillion cells and 100 trillion germs, like germs outnumber the regular cells in our body. So we are mostly germs. And isn't that fat? You can say, well, it's disgusting, but it's also kind of fascinating. So trying to turn disgust into curiosity and reframe it a little. I still get disgusted all the time. It's just a goal. It's like an aspiration. And I do think that there is a link between germophobia and fear of the other, like you were talking about. Maybe there's a link, you know, being so xenophobic, oh, the other, and being so germophobic. So that helps or inspire me to try to be more germiverse instead of germophobe. I agree. The fact that, quote unquote, foreigners are often blamed for diseases. I mean, we see this now, you know. And of course, the topic of Jews and germs, there's a lot to say there. I mean, the fact that back in the days of the bubonic plague, you know, Jews were blamed for poisoning the water. Nowadays, there's a lot of controversy about ultra-Orthodox Jews, you know, gathering and not observing COVID rules. 
And of course, Jews are sort of notorious germaphobes themselves. So <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> what is it about Jews and germs? And what, yeah, what do you make of all this? It's certainly a huge trope, you know, Larry David and Howie Mandel, like my sense, and I haven't done an in-depth study. It has a lot to do with, there's a lot of purity thinking in Judaism in the Talmud and separation, you know, the separation, which can be both good and bad. I think it has wonderful parts. This Shabbat is a separation of work and rest. And kosher, a lot of the laws are separation of meat and dairy. And, and even some laws that most of us don't follow, like separation of wool and linen, you can't have... I think that has bled over into this idea of purity and germs and separating ourselves from the germs and don't let them invade you. And again, it's complicated. So in some ways, this is a good thing. It, it might well have had survival value because we you know, kept away from corpses and germs and maybe that helped Jews survive various plagues. But it also has some downsides. One, it's just anxiety inducing, as you know. And two, maybe there's uh, some of that disgust that we were talking about. But it's complicated. I remember when I was, because I, I wrote a book, uh, The Bible, I Live by the Rule of the Bible. And one big theory among biblical scholars was that a lot of the separation had to do with making sure you didn't marry outside of the faith. So you wanted to make sure you were separate from the pagans. So maybe there is a little built-in xenophobia. <laughs> Otherwise, we would have just married outside of Judaism. And instead, we're all... Eighth Cousins, as I found out <laughs> in my, one of my other books. There's another side of the feelings about germs, which scientists call the hygiene hypothesis, which is that we've all gotten so obsessed with staying germ-free that we're actually making ourselves more susceptible and even sicker because we're using too much Purell and creating environments that don't have the bacteria that our bodies need to actually build immunity. This makes me feel anxious. Um, <laughs> do you think that this is even something that we should be thinking about, especially in this day and age when, when we have a pandemic playing out? Should we eschew the Purell? Yeah, now is not the time to embrace the hygiene <laughs> hypothesis and, and like rub your hands in dirt on subway poles. Once we everyone's vaccinated, maybe we can consider it again. It does seem that there is some evidence that there is something to the hygiene hypothesis. And it was interesting because my wife, who is also Jewish, but she does not share the germaphobe or much anxiety for that matter. And she was fully into the hygiene hypothesis. And she's like, you are going to ruin our kids because I would be, you know, put Purell on the, the little chains on the <laughs> swings in Central Park. I was just trying to protect them. And she was, she said, you are going to, they're going to be allergic to everything and get sick all the time because of what you're doing. And she was the opposite. And I will give you one example. When they were very young, one of my kids was eating an ice cream cone and walking slightly behind us. And uh, we hear this woman shriek and we look around and our kid is on all fours 
on the sidewalk because he had dropped the scoop <laughs> and he was licking it off the sidewalk like a dog. And Julie, my wife, was like, oh, isn't that cute? And I was like, this is, this is horrible. This is my worst nightmare. So she, she is fully on board. She's hygienic enough. It's not like she doesn't wash her hands. So she hasn't gotten COVID. And in general, she's much less anxious and happier. So I think there is something to her side. I'm married to one of those too. And it feels like a mixed marriage, especially in the <laughs> kitchen when I'm putting Clorox on everything. And he's like, what are you doing? I don't want the smell of Clorox on my food. <laughs> That's another thing I get anxious about. There's so many unknowns. I do a lot of dishwashing and sometimes I'll put Purell on the dishes. Just why not? And I think <laughs> to myself, you know, these are, they've got this plastic coating. So now what if I'm eating away at the plastic coating and this is actually worse for my kids because I'm giving these plastic hormones. So it's just a never ending cycle. I'm laughing in total recognition. Yeah, and I will, I will say that Lisa and I are, yeah, like you, we're both married to Jews, Jewish men in our case, who happen to be not germaphobes, which probably is a good, it is interesting that we all found partners like that. Maybe it's a, probably a good thing because it balances us out. I think it is one of the best things about my marriage because I dated a wonderful woman who I would have married. She ended up dumping me, but she was very similar in the anxiety spectrum. And I just think it would have been a disaster. <laughs> I am really glad she dumped me in the end because... <laughs> I feel you need some of that balance. Totally. Well, you've given so much great advice. We're wondering if you have any other words of wisdom or tips for our listeners who might be, and for us. And for us. <laughs> yeah, really for us, who are germaphobes um, and can help us be a little calmer about things. Here's a weird one. In my research, I've come across this idea of memento mori memories of death and they would put them in painting renaissance paintings they'd have little skulls to remind people you know your time on earth is fleeting carpe diem just remember don't get too anxious and obsessed because you know what it's all gonna end and so it's a little morbid on the one hand or a lot morbid but it's uh, it's also liberating and so on my computer desktop i do have a little skull it's not a scary skull. It's like a cute cartoon skull. It's like it's got big eyes and it's blowing a kiss. It's very cute. Every day I look at it and I'm like, you know what? Let's try to lower that anxiety because in the end, it's all going to be the same. So let's not get too wrapped up. Try to enjoy what we have. A little bit of the carpe diem, the epicurean. Let's enjoy the time we have instead of being anxious all the time. That is the best advice ever. Really? Yeah. All right, good. That is lovely to hear. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So that was awesome. I feel like AJ is our long lost brother. <laughs> yes, totally. I totally related to every single thing he said. And I just loved how he told us to embrace the concept of carpe diem and, and to not waste our time, our precious, precious fleeting time with 
being anxious about germs, which we fundamentally cannot control. I need that like on a loop, like a recording, because <laughs> think about how much time we spend worrying and wiping down. And it is probably not in the service of <laughs> the greater good in the end. I mean, it's it's good to be cautious, like we said, but what do we come up with? Germ reverse instead of germ phobic <laughs> is something to strive for. So I will keep that in mind. And, you know, maybe I, I'll continue to use my phone and not worry that I didn't wipe it down. <laughs> I still haven't wiped mine down from the doctor's appointment the other day, so maybe I'm taking a baby step there. Good. You're going there with me. <laughs> but you're not going to start letting your kids, like, eating off the, the ground, are you? No. No. <laughs> no. I mean, I always, in my mind, and I think I've said this to them, I separate New York City sidewalk dirt from country oh. field dirt. So you would be okay with them eating a pretzel off a field? <laughs> Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I would be worrying about like deer poop and yes. other animals droppings, but right. maybe that's better than like human butt germs on a bench. <laughs> yeah, no, there is something particularly <laughs> gross about New York City streets for sure. I mean, everyone knows that. How about in your apartment? If something drops on the floor, will you eat it? Because I will not. It kind of depends on what it is that falls down. Like if it feels like something very porous. <laughs> Or sticky? No. I see. So it's about the the, the <laughs> elemental makeup of, of whatever. <laughs> in the apartment, I do hold to the five-second rule because we don't wear shoes in the apartment. And I clean the dog's feet with soap every time she comes in from a walk. So you're probably okay. I hope. <laughs> so what are you doing this week to feel a little bit less anxious? Well, we've started watching a new show, I mean, new to us, on Netflix called Sex Education, which is brilliant and so funny. And it is actually, I'm just enjoying it so much. How about you? I've heard about that show. I have to check it out. I haven't watched it. So my husband and I subscribe to The New Yorker. And I found that at night when I get into bed, rather than reading the articles, I will just read the cartoons, like flip past <laughs> the articles, look at the cartoons. I especially love, of course, Roz Chast, who I feel like is our patron saint of Anxiously. Yes. <laughs> and I just find them so soothing and fun. And I love looking at the little cartoon contest in the back for those who aren't familiar Basically, a cartoonist will draw a little scene and readers are tasked to come up with like a funny caption and the winner gets printed. And so I haven't submitted yet, but I, I will sometimes try and think of good ideas. That's so fun. What a fun exercise. <laughs> yeah, fun and kind of nerdy, but I embrace it. Good, you should. So are you feeling less anxious now? Oh, I don't know if I will ever feel less anxious about germs. I think it is a burden I will bear my whole life. But I think I have some tools now to scale back on the degree of, <laughs> of fear around that. How about you? Like you, I feel like my germophobia, hypochondria, call it what you will, is so deeply ingrained that it's going to be a lot of work to sort of get past it. But I really liked what AJ said about reframing it in his mind. And I feel like if I can just stay aware and keep reminding myself to try to reframe it, then maybe maybe I'll get there someday. Life goals. <laughs> We're on this journey together, so <laughs> keep me posted. I will. I'm so glad you get it. Oh, yes. You know I get it. And we know that everyone listening, you guys get it too. And we look forward to talking to you next time.
Anxiously is brought to you by Tablet Studios. Our producers are Josh Cross, Sarah Fredman Ader, and Robert Scaramuccia. Our music is by the best band in the world, Low Cut Connie. Please rate and review us on iTunes so more people can find us. It really helps. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at AnxiouslyPod. And if you have feedback or questions about the show, email us at anxiously at tabletmag.com. For more information about the show, head to tabletmag.com slash anxiously and check out all of Tablet's podcasts at tabletmag.com slash podcasts. See you later.